everybody. Michael Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. Hey, if you are new to the show, we have a new episode streaming on Charisma Podcast Network every Monday and Thursday. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, pretty much anywhere podcasts are listened to, you can tune in. But this is called Awaken Podcast for a reason. Ephesians 5.14 states, Awake, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That was written to believers, not unbelievers, because the Lord is drawing the church out of her slumber to be fixated upon Jesus Christ, to have a revelation of all that he has done and accomplished on our behalf, to know who we are in him and who he is in us so we can truly walk out this mission every single day, that we can abide in his presence and live in that place of of intimacy and fellowship and communion, but also so that we can release his presence and his glory in the earth so that people can encounter him as well. We are ministers of the drink of the gospel. We are ministers of him. We get to share in him. And so I have a good friend coming on the podcast with me today. I feel like um, he's definitely a brother. Um, He has a beautiful heart after the Lord Jesus. I love every time I get to spend time with him because we just share about the Lord, share about what he's doing in our lives, who he is, the gospel. We just go back and forth. Iron sharpens iron. And so his name is Eric Gilmore. He is an author, a musician, um, a traveling minister. He travels domestically and internationally. Him and his wife, Brooke, they're the founders of Sonship International, a teaching ministry that's committed to strengthening the church. Um, And their hearts are truly to bring the church into a deeper experience of God's um, presence, his glory, his love. This guy just oozes with Jesus. And so, Eric, man, thank you for joining me today, bro. Uh, man, the honor is all mine. <laughs> <laughs> so good, man. So for those, you know, many people who are listening right now may be familiar with your heart and uh, with your ministry, but for those who aren't, man, tell us a little bit about yourself. I always like to hear also, and you've shared this on podcasts previously, but if someone has tuned in for the first time, tell us, man, how the Lord first captured your heart. Yeah. So I was born again in the Brownsville Revival. God poured out his spirit in 1995 at a church in Pensacola, Florida. Four million people came through the doors in four years, and word of mouth spread all over the world. There was no social media, obviously, back then. It just was the raw presence of God drawing people in from all over. People were lining up at 6 a.m. to get into the 7 p.m. services, Mm. and people were getting saved driving by. The manifest presence was very tangible, um, and that's where I got born again. So I was born again in a very unique situation actually a revival situation so i i was immediately glued to the experience of the presence of the lord uh, obviously i grew up in the church and i knew a lot about god but i did not know god mm-hmm. but it was the presence of the spirit that brought the theology into reality and that's when i fell in love with jesus when the spirit made jesus perceptible and knowable and Mm. i became i became addicted to the way it feels to give attention to him so that's my that's my origin and that's what i desire to bring people into because religion is dead as we know it doesn't do anything for you there's no satisfaction no joy no peace but him he is all and if we can get people to experience jesus they experience everything yes yeah bro i love how you said you became addicted to the feeling of giving Jesus all of your attention and yes. affection. <laughs> God, we need to make that a quote or something there, bro. It's just like, 
Oh my gosh. But you're absolutely right, man. I was a drug addict and I was a pleasure seeker. I was a hedonist. You know, I was just chasing pleasure before I encountered the Lord Jesus. And I began to realize, man, when I encountered his presence, his love, his glory, it, he filled my body. I, I, it was tangible. Oh. And, and, um, I, in that moment, I thought to myself, this is better than ecstasy. This is better than any drug. This is what I was born for. Everything else is a counterfeit. The, the enemy has counterfeited the glory, the love of God, his presence. And, and gave us something lesser, so the evil and lesser, and it destroys us and harms us. But mm. there's so much in his presence, there is fullness of joy at his right hand, pleasure forevermore. And that is a beautiful reality. Once you taste him, you just you just have to have more. You can't just, you know, one thing I always say is you can't just compel people to be hungry. Be hungry, be hungry, be hungry. You know, you have to give them a taste. They need mm. to taste and see that he truly is good. And, you know, when, when you go to a restaurant and there's a meal before you and it was delicious and you're like, oh, this is the most incredible meal because you've tasted it. Because you've experienced it, that's what drives you back. And he is so amazing. He's so lovely. Once you truly know him in purity and reality, it's just like, how could I go back to anything else? Totally. <laughs> so good, man. So I want to quote a scripture. Today, I want to talk about maturing in Christ, and I want to talk about childlikeness. This isn't something that we have touched on much on Awakened Podcast, but I know this is this is the heart of a lot um, of, of where we go. But at the same time, I want to read to you a scripture. Um, for those who are tuning in right now, Matthew 18, 1 through 4, this may be a very familiar scripture, but this is Jesus um, in Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. And he said, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called the child to himself and he set him among them. And he said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you change and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So whoever will humble himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I just, I wanted to start this off by kind of defining childlikeness. It's not being childish. That's important because uh, mm-hmm. the apostle Paul says, you know, not to be childish, to be mature and to grow up. But at the same time, childlikeness is actually a sign of spiritual maturity. And so, you know, this is a very valuable virtue in the kingdom of God. Jesus, we must become this way to truly experience and walk in the kingdom. So let's just dive in there, man, bring some definition to that. Yeah, that's beautiful. I can't think near as fast as you do. <laughs> I, may be, I may be a little slower. That's good. But Andrew Murray said that the true beauty of childlikeness is the absence of self-consciousness. And I think that when we realize what childlikeness is in the way that Jesus wants it to be understood, it is connected to a humility that doesn't depend on self it is a constant conviction of our insufficiency uh, and we trust in and believe in his ability to father us so i think the opposite of childlikeness would be self-consciousness it would actually be a way of thinking where i can do this myself i can handle this myself i don't need the lord i don't need him to father me so in essence coming to jesus is the way jesus defines childlikeness remember right here in this verse it says here that when they are looking for a throne he calls a child yeah, <laughs> you know, dude. Wow. Who's the great? Who's the greatest? It's like they're saying, "Lord, you know, show us where we can sit." And he's saying, "How about my knee?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he's trying to perform a sharp course correction to this 
hustling and bustling of greatness that lives in the human veins and his chosen destruction of this prideful exaltation of self is to call a toddler over to him. And I think even in the whole imagery of calling a child towards him, we see a understanding. It is the child is over there. Jesus expresses his desire for the child to come to him and the child comes to him. Mm-hmm. The fact that the child responds to Jesus's desire for him to be with him, that in and of itself is an expression of what childlikeness is. Children come to Jesus. That's awesome. Oh, amen, bro. And so when you're when you're talking about this dependency and, you know, when the disciples were wondering who is going to be the greatest, who is going to be the leader in the midst, Jesus draws a child to himself. I just love just picturing that. Even just the way you, you were explaining, I'm picturing it in my mind. They're like, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the best? Who's going to be the apostle? Who's going to be the one that takes over or whatever? And Jesus is saying, you have to become like this. Look at this child. I think of a few different people in scripture. I think about King David, who was a king, who was a prophet, but this man clung to God, this means I'm nothing. Wow. I am nothing. This is this is the one thing I desire. Yes, I'm the king of Israel. Yes, uh, everyone knows me. Yes, I am rich. Yes, I have authority. But at the same time, it's this one thing that I desire. But to know Him and to stare at Him and to love Him, and I think of Mary of Bethany, who is constantly found at the feet of Jesus, and how He exalts her as being one who her name and her story will be told as the gospel is being preached for generation and generation. The come i think of john the beloved who was yeah. leaning upon the bosom of jesus like like a baby like like my son does i sit with my son <laughs> and we're sitting down watching tv or playing and he comes and yeah. he just leans into the bosom of his father he's just there with me he wants that nearness and john man we, we get the greatest revelation the book of revelation we get that from him and he's the only one that didn't die from martyrdom he died of old age there was a special preserving of his life and so i think of these amazing bible characters that they show us strength they show yeah. us might. They show us what is what what is possible for a human who walks in the power of God. But at the same time, that's a great picture of child likeness. Yeah, you know, when they're looking for these thrones, Jesus calls the child to him. Right? It's almost as if Christ is calling their attention to Psalm thirty-four, verse eleven, where it says, "Come, my children, or you children, and listen to me." And I will teach you the fear of the Lord. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, reminding them of the Old Testament understanding. It is childlikeness that comes to him and receives revelation of the fear of the Lord. Remember when Jesus throws his eyes up to his father and he says, I praise you, father, that you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to infants and babes. Mm. This is how he gets glory is when the humble those who recognize their insufficiency those who are dependent receive revelation i just was reading actually the book of revelation the other day the very first chapter and it says this is the revelation of jesus christ given to him to give to or show to his bond servants and it hit me that unless there's a humility that is a bond servant you can't understand revelation it's given only to those who are dependent. And I'm finding in, in my own life, uh, sometimes we think the more spiritual we are, the more independent we can be. But it's the opposite. The more spiritual we become, the more dependent we become. 
Uh, we don't grow into independence. You know, with my kids, I mean, I have a 15-year-old now. She was uh, took her driving the other day. She, you know, soon I'll be able to hand her the keys and she will, in independence, be able to just go on her way. As she gets older, that's how it is in the natural life. But in the kingdom, it's completely backwards. I come into the kingdom and I still have all these little areas of independence in my heart. And Jesus, by his work of the Spirit, brings me to different levels of independence where I can become younger and younger or more and more dependent and receive more revelation and, and re realize the fear of the Lord by his own teaching, by coming to him again and again. Mm -hmm. So many people think that like maturity is having it all figured out, you know, maybe if I'm a Christian for 10 or 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, like these ministers that have been doing this for 40 or 50 years, like they've got so many answers to questions. These guys never struggle. These guys, you could ask them anything about eschatology, soteriology, you could break down the scriptures and they'll be right on track with you. They've got a confidence because they just had the hard questions in life answered. But man, there's this dependence on the Lord that I think should never um, quit in our lives and we must know that we you know we've arrived in him because of all he's done but at the sure. same time like where we're at in revelation we've we will never fully arrive one day we will know him as we are fully known but that that day is not now and you know and there's so many times in the scriptures where it talks about god opposes the proud but he gives mm -hmm. grace to the humble and he opposed the pharisees but he gave grace to the prostitutes and the tax collectors <laughs> that that bow down before him that fell at his feet and said I am unworthy but God if you are able if you are willing you know and he poured out such grace and mercy upon them and you know even the apostle Paul touches on it by saying that knowledge puffs up but mm. love edifies yeah. and I, I love that and I think I want to touch on that some more because the apostle Paul saying that hey listen you know there is a spiritual knowledge that we grow in as we get to know the Lord Jesus but we have to be careful of the arrogance as we as we grow and you know there's this heart revelation compared to head revelation of us just growing in head knowledge I like to kind of go into that some yeah that's so important man because I find in my own life it's a constant uh, need of surrender. Mm -hmm. I have been studying the scriptures now since since 1996, and sometimes I think because I've been studying the Bible for so long that I have gained some ground, mm -hmm. and that in and of itself is a confidence. But, bro, I, I realize it's, it's not that way. Unless Jesus makes it new to me, it's mm -hmm. still dead to me. Mm -hmm. Knowledge cannot give life unless it is connected to him who is life. And this is dependent upon a consistent experience of the person of Jesus. It's the only thing that makes revelation live on the inside of me. If yeah. I know anything, man, I know it's this, that I am constantly in need of a revelation of the things that I already know. Mm -hmm. I need him to make the gospel new to me every morning mm -hmm. because I forget it. Constantly, I find myself in the tomb of forgetfulness and I'm in need of his kisses to bring me back to life and remember his goodness. I remember it was, uh, I think it was Martin Luther who said, I preach justification by faith every week because they forget it every week. <laughs> uh, another one too that he said is, I know how easily one can forfeit the joy of the gospel. I'm finding in my life that the greatest maturity 
that I can find is the foundation strong. The gospel is enough and I'm in need of its work in my, lo- my life and heart every single day fresh. And to me, that's the key. I mean, when Paul is afraid for the Corinthians, he says, I fear lest as the serpent beguiled Eve, you too would be led away from the simplicity and purity of Jesus Christ. I really feel like this is the root and the key of remaining in a developing, maturing, life-giving, and life-receiving relationship with Jesus is holding on to the gospel and letting it by the Spirit become new to us every day. You know, one guy said to me that the gospel is the runway for the for life. You 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 take off the plane takes off from the runway of the gospel, and it's not true. Yeah, the gospel mm-hmm. is the engine in the plane <laughs> that keeps it going every day. Yeah, it keeps it going every day, and so I feel like that's the essence of childlikeness. It's it's a resolute uh, desire. It's, and not even like a resolute, I, I, I don't want to use that word. It's a surrender to our inability and a surrender to the knowledge of the fact that he must do all by his own spirit and by his own grace. That's the bankruptcy of a child. And so that love that you're talking about, I believe, is found in the utter selflessness and dependency upon the father. Somebody said to me, how do I become more childlike? I told, I told them to look at the father. The more you look at the Father and who He is and what He is and what He does for you, the more you'll you'll literally just slip into or yield into a childlikeness before Him. Oh, man. I, I love that advice. And one thing that um, over the years I've kind of coined this term. I don't know if I coined it. If I heard it somewhere, I don't know. But there's this paradox um, in Christ and in the gospel of you know, without him, I'm nothing. Jesus said that in John 15. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But then Paul said, in Christ, we can do all things. <laughs> and so there's this paradox of without Jesus, I'm, I, I I, am nothing. I literally am nothing without him. I, I am weak, you know, but then in him, I can do everything anything i can do yeah. everything with his assistance with his help in him um you know partnering the sacred partnership between me and him it's just like saying like daddy i need you like i can't do anything mm. of worth and of eternal value without you but at the same time like with you daddy i can do everything mm. you know it's like a child's confidence that like if my daddy is with me if my mm. god is with me i can do all things and it's him who gives me the strength is what the apostle paul was saying and so like i always ask the lord when i find myself maybe uh, um, getting a bit puffed up or feeling like mm. I can do some, you know, certain things and maybe I'm not praying as much or being as conscious of him as much. I just think like, no, no, Lord, I come back to that place of humility and contriteness of heart. If I can do nothing without you, but in you, I will never lose that faith that in you I can do all things. Um, you know, I love that you touched on how many people, you know, they say, oh, you're just you know, focusing on loving Jesus and the ABCs of the gospel, you're still drinking milk, you know, you need to pursue the meat and they focus on, oh, they think that Jesus is just the entryway, like you said, or the roadway. But now I'm going on to the deeper stuff like sovereignty and eschatology and, you know, all these different things. And I am all for studying the scripture, you know, 
mm-hmm. the whole Bible just emanates Jesus. <laughs> just, you know, Jesus said, you read the scriptures, but, you know, the scriptures point to me. <laughs> and so I am all for, you know, studying the word, devouring the word, feeding on the word. But at the same time, like that, that's a mentality we really need to challenge in the body. I, I agree. In Revelation, we see a song that they sing forever, Michael. Yeah. Forever. They will sing this song that the worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive. And we go through seven realms after that, you know, riches and honor and power and glory and all this. They sing this song forever. It will never not be remembered. It will never not be the center of all of worship. And if it is that important for the ages to come, if it is the central theme of worship for the ages beyond ages, then why would it be something we pass up now? Why would it be something that is not as significant now? The only way to live down here as they do up there is to make the central theme up there, the central theme down here, Mm -hmm. the lamb that was slain. Even when you brought up the meat, and milk, the meat that we see in the book of Hebrews is Melchizedek, mm. who is a priest forever. It's yeah. a revelation of all that Jesus represents on uh, in who he is for us. And as the mediator of a kind that will never be mimicked, a, a kind that will never come again, and that stands as a human forever on our behalf with his own blood it's it is the gospel unfolded layer by layer that causes a man to become more simple and more trusting and that's the essence of this childlikeness and you know i would even venture to say that it is this childlikeness that protects us from competition Uh, you've been in ministry for years now Mm -hmm. and you can you can probably attest to this that a lot of ministries are fueled by competition and divided by comparison and things like this but childlikeness is is the absence of self-consciousness which Mm. makes unity uh, it is it is effortless yeah but it is when we're self-conscious that we that we uh divide and 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 you know there's a story i'll tell this one story and then you Mm -hmm. know we can move forward i went to pick up my daughter at uh daycare when she was real real little they're just you know two and three year olds there and the teacher said, "You, you, every everybody can go home as soon as you pick up all the toys." Mm-hmm. So everybody's looking for the toys, and finally she says, "There's one toy missing, and we can't go home until we find it." Yeah. And everybody goes looking for the toy, and finally, a little boy goes down low and he finds the toy, and he grabs it, and when he turns around to show that he has found the toy, this bigger girl rips the toy out of his hand puts it up above her head and says i found it i found it and i knowing what happened because i saw it i look at the little boy's face to see will he expose her will he whine will he be upset will he cry how's he going to respond bro he threw both hands up in the air and rejoiced and said yay (laughs) bro it hit me like a ton of bricks and i said to god lord make me that little boy that rejoices in something greater than being recognized, something greater than just finding, you know, getting getting some type of a uh, being right, being yeah, right. Being, mm-hmm. Yes, there's a childlikeness that 
is unable to harbor competition because self it doesn't have the self-consciousness necessary for such a thing. Mm, I like that, man. And, you know, I feel like even online and social media, you know, um, you know, people are arguing about doctrines. Hey, that's not true. This is true or whatever. And everyone, you know, it's, it's, it's given us so many, so many of us an avenue to share what we believe and like stand, you know, without, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I just feel like in general, you know, people feel like that if I know this and I live this, that's spiritual maturity, you know, like I, you know, I, I, I feel like what I'm trying to say is that, um, there's a place of mystery and there's a place of like not knowing, but just being totally like absorbed. Like I may not have all the answers to all my questions. I may not have, you know, tidy theology in every single area. I'm still growing. I still am learning. You know, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know why this happened. I don't know why this didn't happen. I believed it, but I didn't see what all these different questions that come up on our walk, but there's a a sign of spiritual maturity and questions are good. It's okay to bring questions before God, but there's there's, um, a place of spiritual maturity where we say, say like Jesus like I don't have all the answers but you are the answer mm-hmm. and I might not you know my you know my opinions might be right and some are, are completely wrong but like God like I just feel like people view spiritual maturity as this guy's got all the answers or they have all their tidy theology but I feel like the body of Christ in general needs to learn to view certain things as mysterious and to say you know what I, I, I'm believing for answers I'm believing for you know on this side of eternity I'm believing but if I don't get all, all the answers or I don't know why everything is taking place or I don't have everything perfect I trust in Jesus and yeah. he is my solution and he is everything to me and we need to be quiet a little bit more don't you think you know not sharing all of our opinions a lot of time I got a podcast okay I'm always talking but still still like yeah we don't we don't need to always share our opinions so we could show off to be the one with all the answers like we need more humility i agree it is the mark of spirituality jesus didn't regard equality with god a thing to be grasped but he humbled himself he emptied himself we're we're exhorted in in philippians 2 just before this beautiful uh, poetry of christ's humility we see him say look after the interests of others and not just your your own interest Mm -hmm. that to jesus is the mark of his likeness i was reading first john four and five last night and john is saying this is the commandment that you would believe in jesus and love one another and herein is how you know if you abide in him this is the key, the, the root of all that God is desiring for us is that we would believe and trust in him. And from there, we would love one another. You know, there's a story of a, a man who uh, ties a rope from one building to another and he walks across it and a bunch of people are gathered to see him do it. And he says, how many of you think I can go back? And everybody says, yes, he can, he can do it. And so he says, okay, what if I get a wheelbarrow. Do you think I can walk across the tightrope with a wheelbarrow? And everybody's like, oh, I don't know. So he walks across with the wheelbarrow, gets to the other side. And when he gets there, he says, how many think I can go back? And everybody's like, yeah. Then he says, okay, somebody come get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> and and nobody will go. Yeah, sure. So he, look, he looks down and he sees this little boy and he says, hey, you little boy, come up here and get in the wheelbarrow. The little boy goes up, he gets in the wheelbarrow, and he walks across tight ropes 
with the boy in the wheelbarrow. The place is going crazy. They couldn't believe he did it. And then afterwards, the little boy is walking around and a man that watched the whole show walks over to the little boy and he said, how did, what? I don't understand. Why would you trust your life to that man and get in the wheelbarrow? And the boy says, oh, the man is my father. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> all, cool. that, all that to say, it's this father revelation mm -hmm. and child heart that lives in the freedom from care and it trusts God in famine, war, and pestilence. We can trust in God. Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody, man, that would say, like, you know, you guys are just, you're all about the presence and intimacy and encounter and you just keep talking about the gospel and, you know, you're in love with you, you cry at the drop of a hat. Like that, that to me is like, man, like you guys are feelings driven. That's a sign of immaturity. Some people think that like when you're all about yeah. intimacy and feelings and encounters that, you know, that it's a sign of immaturity, but like, no, dude, you just gotta, you know, you gotta do this and you gotta do that. And you know, it doesn't matter about feelings and they like talk down about feelings, but at the end of the day, and I would love to hear your, your take on this because at the end of the day, we're not ruled by our feelings. You know, mm -hmm. there's people out there that are ruled by their feelings, but at the same time, if you are an emotive person that is in love with the Lord Jesus and wants to abide in his presence and he's everything to you and you're able to express that beautifully and authentically, Man, that's that's a sign of spiritual maturity, not immaturity. And but so many people feel like, oh man, well, you know, they just talk down about emotions like it's a sign of spiritual maturity or something. Yeah, I've heard this many times as well. It hurts my heart and it's frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um because I see what they're trying to say. But when we got born again, we were given a new faculty, a faculty by which we can experience God. For instance, we were, quote, dead in sin, mm -hmm. which means we were, we're still alive. We're walking around. So what kind of death came to us through Adam? It was we were dead to God. We had no ability to perceive him or mm -hmm. enjoy him. But through Christ, he who has the Son has life. He who has not the Son has not life. What is that life? Now we are, as Paul says, alive to God, which means we have the ability to perceive him, sense him, hear him, and relate to him. We have a relational connection that gives exchange yeah. with God. And so in, an, in, in, in a human situation, we have human emotions that try to run our lives, but we now have a higher existence inside of us that can be aware of God and experience God as joy, mm. God as peace, God as pleasure, and mm -hmm. these things are, are in every single letter of the New Testament. You can't find one letter where joy and peace are not connected to this gospel and this man, Christ Jesus, as a way of life. The, the disciples go on rejoicing. You know, you know, also in Luke 24, after Jesus ascends, the scripture says that they're worshiping him and they return to the city of Jerusalem with great joy. It's the resurrected Christ that is the source of of joy unshakable and is not determined by circumstances or situations because it's rooted in a man eternal and a man that's unchanging. Therefore, mm -hmm. the joy that he gives to us is like himself, eternal and everlasting and all overabundant and limitless. We can experience this. A.W. Tozer said, when the eyes of the heart looking out meet the eyes of God looking in, right there, heaven has begun. 
upon the earth. <laughs> oh, it's so good, dude. All, all that to say, yeah, we, we're not run by our emotions. As a matter of fact, the new faculty of existence is dependent upon the death of the old. We, we deny that old mindset, that old way of thinking, that old life source, and we now draw from this new faculty of existence on the inside of us, which is spirit connected to spirit. He who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. And we cannot separate the fact that joy and peace are inside of the riches of fellowship that are far beyond. I just was reading about Smyrna, the Revelation church is called mm-hmm. Smyrna. You know, yep. Smyrna means suffering. And Jesus is telling them, you're, I know your tribulation and I know your poverty, but you are rich. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he, yeah. He talks to them about this enduring, highly valuable possession that they have mm-hmm. that is greater than the earth and everything in the earth. And it is fellowship with Christ. No, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, we sit at the table that descends out of heaven and we eat at the banqueting table of God. We enjoy and imbibe the riches of his gospel and his person. As my friend likes to say, we, we, and we imbibe the bounties of his person and work. <laughs> oh, dude. So it's good. beautiful. <laughs> so uh, I would, I would encourage a person to recognize that the gospel has brought us into a new life. And that new life is inseparable from new feelings, wonderful feelings, feelings beyond, uh, beyond natural feelings. They're higher than natural emotions and higher than natural feelings. Yeah, they're supernatural. At the end of the day, it's other, yeah. it's otherworldly. Like Jesus said, I give you a peace, but not peace like this world. Like yes. peace looks like something, joy looks like something. The fact that the Apostle Paul could be in prison, cold, probably naked, in chains, you know, uh, dirty, smelly, and say, I rejoice in the Lord and I am grateful for what God's doing in your life and rejoice again I say rejoice like the fact that he can do that that is supernatural like you can't that's not just a normal earthly quality that's something that's that's a quality when a man is possessed by the Holy Spirit fully yielded and given over to the Lord Jesus and you know the, the peace that passes understanding we can't mentally grasp it in the natural but it is supernatural and at the end of the day like this this peace when I began to realize when I experience peace when I experience joy and I have a sense of warmth in my heart of love for Jesus and love for others that's him in me yes I've become like a, a recipient of his divine nature and so when I'm experiencing the supernatural peace that is otherworldly I'm literally experiencing the prince of peace it is his person that I'm in fellowship Absolutely. with and people don't think that deeply into it if they just think it's a feeling that is that that comes you know as a response to the presence of God yes it is a feeling that comes as a response to the presence of God but it is the presence of God himself <laughs> he is the prince of peace he's the giver of peace and he is peace and so Oh man, it's just remarkable. We can experience uh, that nearness in that. You remind me of Richard Wormbrand. He's put into solitary confinement, fourteen feet beneath the earth, seven years. Wow. Fed one slice of bread a week. He's slowly dying. He hadn't seen a child in seven years, a woman in seven years. He hadn't seen colors in seven years. He said he forgot how to write. Uh, he's, he's just dying slowly. And when he gets released, they said to him, "You must have been in hell." And his response was, oh no, hell is to be without his presence. Oh, he says, man. He said, but we knew, listen to these words. 
These are his exact words. We knew the kisses of the bridegroom and his caresses. <laughs> oh, dude. Richard Sibbs was in jail as well, and he said, I prayed until the stones in my cell shone like rubies. Oh, my gosh, man. The eternal Jesus. He's so beautiful. There's no separation between us and him, no matter what the circumstances. We have that connection, man. He's so beautiful. You know, one thing I, I didn't, you know, um, man, I just... I'm just undone, bro. I love Jesus. And there's a scripture, you know, first of all, let me, let me bring this up before we end. I don't want to go here, but so many people would say, oh yeah, all this feeling stuff is for the women, right? Women are emotional. Men are not meant to be. And when, you know, they hear from me and they hear from you and they hear from Brian Simmons, the author of the Passion Translation, or Micah Bickle, who focuses on, you know, Song of Songs, and they listen to teachers that are just oozing, or they see a man that is completely undone by the magnitude of Jesus. I just want to give a couple minutes to this like men you know they think oh a sign of spiritual maturity for a man be strong we're a warrior in the army of Christ you know and we are we are warriors in the army of Christ we are to be strong and to be courageous you know just like the you know like the warriors of old are like young men you are strong therefore you've overcome the evil one but as men, like someone, I, I think there's, there's, there's going to be men listening to this thinking like, oh man, I can't imagine myself just being so like in love, like using that terminology to talk about Jesus. What'd you say to that, man? Just to kind of. Yeah. I mean, on the real basic practical level, because most men are pragmatic, very practical thinkers. If you, let's say a guy went out, he got drunk and he just lost his temper and he slayed like five people in a bar. Mm. And the next morning he wakes up and he remembers what he did and he shudders and he says, oh, good Lord, they're coming to look for me. The cops show up at the door. He's nervous. He's scared. They get him. They take him in. He gets into court and they say, you will now go to the electric chair or you will go to a lifetime in prison and we have all the evidence against you and you are going to jail. If somebody stood up and said, I have not done what he did. I am innocent but I want to take his place. And he insists on taking his place. And now that man, the innocent man, the innocent other, is taken to the fate that the drunk guy Mm -hmm. deserves. Mm -hmm. For the rest of his life, he will be indebted to, in his heart, he will always remember that guy that took my place. In the thought of him, would bring up a sense of liberty. The thought of him would bring up a sense of gratitude, a gratitude so deep that it would probably well up tears in his eyes. You know, he would feel joy that he's delivered and he'd feel uh, peace that he's not condemned. Mm -hmm. And he would feel just real practically, he would be grateful for the substitution. Mm -hmm. In that simple illustration, Men forget the forgiveness of sins. Mm. That should make your heart love God. Oh, yeah. The fact that nothing that you have done, and we've all done terrible, dark things in our hearts even, ingratitude itself is deepest darkness. It, it, to forget this, that Jesus has removed your sins from you forever, should birth love and joy on the inside of us. Not only that, Amen. but that he has given to us an eternity forever. Not only that, he has granted to us his own spirit to fellowship with and be life supply and and the experience of God through the, these things in and of themselves, rightly understood, 
cause a man to love God yeah. deeply. When when we forget these things, and we we slip into entitlement, and we we forget what Jesus has done in the gospel. Mm-hmm. In the gospel, mm-hmm. what happens is we we fail to love the Lord, but we love Him because He first loved us. As First John four says, "In this is love." Yeah, that He He loved us. Mm. <laughs> and that causes a man's heart to respond with love and love so deep and love so grand that it breaks the heart down into grains of sand. It causes the heart to erupt with with romantic love, even like a love that says, Lord, I I could never repay you for what you've done. And you have, as Samuel Rutherford said, you have stolen my heart and ran away to heaven with it. And he wrote that from prison. He was echoing St. Augustine, who said the same thing. You've stolen my heart, and then you you ran away to heaven mm-hmm. with it. <laughs> oh, man. God is so faithful, dude. I love that, bro. I agree 100%. You know, like King David, man, he just danced till his clothes fell off. He didn't even care, dude. He was just so enraptured with the love of God. John, the beloved, just so unmoved by people's opinions, just resting on the bosom of Jesus, you know? And it's this gratefulness and this um, union and this fellowship with Jesus that the first church laid down their lives. They were, they were some of them were filleted alive. They were crucified upside down. They were, you know, stoned and, and the apostle Paul, he said, I was, I'm, I'm dying every day out here. You know, Mm -hmm. I've fought beefs, you know, beasts in Ephesus and, you know, I do all this, but I'm compelled to share this glorious gospel. There's this, when you know him and you are, um, possessed and consumed with who he is, it compels you forward. No matter what comes against you, people's opinions, you know, hurtful circumstances, you know, tragedy, no matter what takes place, we are driven by him. And so anyways, man, I want to read a scripture to kind of close us out here today. Um, it's short. It's in Colossians two, verse three. It says in Christ, all are oh, sorry in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We don't gain more revelation by seeking revelation itself. We (laughs) must seek Jesus because all knowledge and wisdom is hidden in him. And Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And so I just wanted to end with that because so many people are seeking revelation. They're seeking knowledge for the sake of you know, having all their theological ducks in a row or, you know, because they're pursuing a doctorate and all those things are, are good, you know, you know, uh, pursuing more knowledge and all of that. But at the end of the day, we're not seeking revelation for the sake of revelation. We seek him because in him is the wellspring of life. In him is the treasury. Uh, all the things that we need in life come from that place of intimacy yeah. and looking at him. Yeah. Can I tell one last story? Yeah, man, go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, There's a story of a man. He, he, He's approaching the judgment seat of Christ. And as he gets closer and closer, he begins to go in his mind over the scriptures that he knows just in case there's a written exam. Yeah. (laughs) And and he begins to go through his mind on all the things that he's done just in case he needs a resume of service. And as he approaches closer and closer, the Lord says, stop, come closer. I want to see how much of my son I can see inside of you. Mm. And he knew in that moment that it wasn't about his, it wasn't about mastering theology 
And it wasn't about a resume of service. It was about likeness to the person of Jesus Christ, which we know only comes by looking at Jesus, by, what does it say, beholding the glory, being transformed into the same image. I think it's, what is it, 1 Corinthians 3.18? We the light of the knowledge of God is in the face of Jesus, and as we turn our eyes there, that's when the thing that's most important happens. He transforms us into his own likeness, and even in the crackle of the flame, the martyrs sung of his infinite charms. Mm. Amen, dude. I love that picture. Um, man, Jesus is. I wanted to. Um, man, I drew for sorry. I was I was thinking about a scripture I wanted to share, but man, um. I agree 100%, dude. You know, when we see him face to face, the beauty of him, the magnificence of him, that is our desire. At the end of the day, he is our eternal reward. He is the delight of our lives. And so, (laughs) amen, bro. I feel like this is an important subject. You know, I've been in Bible school. I've traveled. I've been involved in different ministries and missions work. And I've seen this so much. And uh, you you exemplify this beautifully. And so I wanted to go into this today, man. Thank you so much for your time sharing the knowledge that you possess, you know, the revelation that you possess from knowing him. And man, I really believe that there's many people who are listening to this that would, that, that were enriched today, bro. Thank you so much. How could people connect with your ministry and everything that you're doing, bro? Yeah, we have a website that has everything in one. It's sonship, S-O-N-S-H-I-P, sonship, I-N-T-L, dot org. I actually have a book right here called Childlikeness. It's on Amazon. It's like $3 or something, but it goes through this whole subject in detail. Awesome. Um, yeah. Awesome, man. Definitely pick that up. So go to that website. The The, the description is going to be, um, I mean, the link is going to be in the description section below. Eric, it's always a joy, bro. You're a brother. I love your heart. Love your ministry. Um, dude, it's always awesome to have you on the show. See you in person. Talk to you, man. You're great. You are, man. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Always a joy. For those who are listening right now, thank you so much for tuning in. Not just listening, you're seeing this video on YouTube potentially. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We get out to more people so they can be blessed and ministered to and awakened by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless you guys, and I'll speak to you next time on Awakened Podcast. <laughs>
Be free from self-condemnation, guilt, and shame through intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You learn how to um, have guidance from God as you experience His presence every day. You overcome lies that have held you back from experiencing more of God. You get a revelation of your inheritance that was already freely yours, you know, through the lavish gift of grace through Jesus. And so I just want to present this to you immersed in His glory. You can go to Amazon and find it there. You can also go to my website, lifepouredoutintl.org, lifepouredoutintl.org. TL.org, or you can go to destinyimage.com. The audiobook is available as well on amazon.com, as well as some video teachings at destinyimage.com. And so, bless you guys. Grab a copy of Immersed in His Glory. Thank you.